0: Romans chapter 12, verses 9 uh, to 12. We've got that up there. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Okay. Probably heard heard that verse lots before. Good, Good thing, isn't it? Now, I want to just give you the background because you're going to need a little bit of background. This comes after Paul has just said a minute ago in the start of Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And we talked about that that meant that because of what God has done in the gospel, we offer all that we are and all that we have and everything to him. And uh, we heard in Romans 5, and this becomes important in a minute as you'll see, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were ungodly. We were deserving of nothing. And right at that time, Christ died for us, showing his love. It says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how we see God's love. Now, with that in mind, we're looking uh, particularly at what love is today because we start with this statement, love must be sincere. Okay, what does true love look like? Well, we've got to know what love God showed us. And he showed us his love while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that love we see is an unconditional love. Now, love is not a love that necessarily looks for a payback. Okay? It's not, I'll give you this, providing you give me that. That's a contractual love. That's not the love God shows us. It is, a, it is not a self-seeking love. It's a love that purely gives. And if you're going to be in good relationships, which is really part of what we're talking about today... You will be in relationships where you give, regardless of what you get back. That's what love is. Now, Romans 12, we're talking about being living sacrifices. We're talking about it, giving our whole life to God. Now, what, what does this look like? If we love God with all our heart our mind, our soul and our strength, and we love our neighbours in the same way, that's a lot of giving, isn't it? Sometimes I think people say, I want to know what God's will is for my life. And it's a good question to ask. But if you're not sure, then spend your time loving God with all your heart, soul and mind and strength and everybody around you in the same way. And then just see what happens. Because I think you might find yourself walking into God's will. Does that make sense? There's a fair bit we know what we have to do when we don't know what God's will is. Okay. Now he's going to, up until now, we've had 12 chapters of Romans... And all he's spoken of when he's spoken of love is God's love for us. Now he's saying you love. Obviously, it's in light of his love. Love must be sincere. The Greek word there means something like must be genuine. It must be real. It must not be counterfeit. The Greek word is quite simple. And this is unhypocritical. That's actually the Greek word. Well, actually the Greek word is hypocritical, but that's what it means, unhypocritical. It must be genuine, okay? Now, this is a command. In light of God's love, don't let your love be fake. Sometimes, uh, maybe this is an Australianism. If you're not from Australia, this might be, but people will say when someone's not acting in line or not acting right, someone will say to them, are you for real? Do you have that saying? Everyone knows that. Are you for real? Yeah. It might be. It might be said something like this: "You should get real." Yeah. <laughs> are, are you for real? Now Paul's saying this: "You should be for real." You're not. <laughs> are you for real? Um, I, I've said the other day, and in our Bible study. So sorry about the repetition, but not, I'm not sorry enough not to say it. But a hypocrite. Was basically in that time was like a mask. You know the mask that people have on a stick and they stick in front of their face and it hides their face and you can't see who it is. That that there was when someone was acting as something which is what they weren't. It's like when someone is lonely and depressed and they come out with a smile on their face. Well, that's that's it's a mask. It's like a hypocrite or a, a like an actor is, and and Jesus. Said these things he called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law hypocrites sometimes, didn't he? And in our studies on Mark 7 this week, we heard Jesus say to a group of Pharisees, and this is very strong, he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now he said that to a group of people who spent their whole lives trying to get God's law just right. And he said to him, you're a mob of hypocrites. Has anyone ever said that to you? Actually, I've been called that. You're a hypocrite. See, it cuts. It's a a deep word. And if someone says, just imagine someone said to you, by the way, you know, you say you're a Christian. You're only honouring God with your lips. With your heart, you're a long way from him. That's heavy, isn't it? That's what Jesus said to these people. In other words, he said, you're not for real. When we, uh, when we look at love, one of the problems we have is our motives. Big problem. I'm oh, sorry. When I look at my love, the problem I have is with my motives. When I look at what I do for other people, am I being selfless? Am I actually being genuine in love? Am I being for them? And the answer is, a fair bit of the time, no. Actually, a fair bit of the time, I've got maybe motives about, I want them to think that I'm a nice bloke, think good thoughts about me, I want them to affirm me. I think that these words in Scripture cut to the heart of what it is to be a Christian. Your love must be genuine. In other words, your whole life has got to be genuine. Don't muck around with the things of God. Don't muck around with God. He's saying, this is what genuine love looks like. It looks like the love of God. So your whole life should be like that. I want to say this, if you're not hearing me, this is actually really serious for us as Christians. This is a serious call. Let your lives, let your love, and love is to be the overflow of all that we are in God. Let your love be sincere. Let it be genuine. Let it be truthful. Am I for real? Uh, honestly, there's a fair bit of self-deceit goes on. I hate it when I pray sometimes and I pray and I'm praying to God and I realise that first I do this bit where I, I want to ask him something but I don't come straight out and ask it. So I do this little bit where you suck up to him first. Sorry I'm being rude here but that's what I do. And then I think, oh, I'm just, I'm just a fraud. And then, I, well, I'll pray it anyway. Well, actually, I'll tell him I'm a fraud And then he'll know I'm a fraud, and then he'll listen to me, and then I'm you understand and and I'm just being a double fraud. Do you know self-deceit runs really deep? Do you understand what I'm saying? When we're only out for ourselves, to be honest, John Calvin said this of this verse. He said it is difficult to express how ingenious almost all men are in counterfeiting a love which they do not really possess. In other words. We are really good at fake and love. They deceive not only others, but also themselves, while they persuade themselves that they have a true love for whom those who they treat not only with neglect, but they even reject. It's a bit like the man who chats up the woman. In a way, he's learnt how he has to tell her what sounds like love. What sounds like it's going to make her feel special, but all all he's really doing is manipulation. That's not love, is it? Love bombing, they call it, in today's words. But once they get what they want, they revert to their true nature. (laughs) Loveless. Mm. Yep. Sinful humanity is selfish. Now... Funny thing is here, Paul says, love must be sincere. The funny thing about it is, if it's not sincere or it's not genuine, it's not even love, is it? It's actually something far more evil. Okay. So I'll say it again. If you want to see what sincere love is, you look to Christ who stretched out his hands to be crucified to save human beings who did not love him, who in fact hated him, And if you look to that love, you'll see he has loved us genuinely. He has loved us sincerely. That's what love is. And if you hold up that as a standard for love, you're going to feel like I've felt all week looking at this passage and going, I am not sincere. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we take a good, honest look at it, we are going to say, we fall way short. So I want to just introduce you to a bit of good news that I'm not going to tell you yet. In a minute, I'm going to tell you, Paul gives you the answer to a very important question. How do I love like this? Because I don't. Okay, so that's good to know, isn't it? I'm not just here to give you a hard time. Maybe you're here to give me a hard time. But I'll finish this verse because we've only got through four words so far. He says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Not only must our love be genuine, we must hate what is evil. And one of the biggest problems we have is that we love what's evil. Yeah? (laughs) No. Yeah? (laughs) Isn't it the problem where the power of sin often is that the very thing we know we should hate, we actually enjoy? Yeah? Don't have to think about terrible sins. Just think about gossip. Isn't gossip so much fun? Yeah? Yeah? We're good at it. We hate what we, no, we love what we should hate. You see, what we, it is actually crucial for us to realise this point because until we do, we will never confess our sins truly to God until we realise that the very heart of our, our nature is so warped that, that, that evil is what we love. But when we when we come to that and when we actually own up to it and when we confess it, we will confess our sins truly to God and then we will own up that we're sinful to the core and then we will confess that we are hopelessly in need of being saved and then we will actually say, I absolutely need Jesus and then that is calling on the name of the Lord and he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you understand? Until we actually own up to the depth of our sin, we will never actually be saved. Now, when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. There should be a few amens. Yes, this is good. Because the Holy Spirit is the key to this passage. Until we see this. You see, when we receive the Holy Spirit, he actually does something in us and he makes us hate what we used to love. yep. And even now as Christians, we, we go, no, actually, I know I love it, but I actually really, really do hate it because the Holy Spirit in me makes me hate sin. And the Holy Spirit causes us to love what is good because he says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. How are we ever going to do that? in the power of the Holy Spirit and only in the power of the Holy Spirit. Understand that? Verse 10. Be, I'm going to come back to the Holy Spirit in a minute. But be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. These are massive commands, aren't they? They are just huge. Be devoted. That, and be devoted, the Greek word means have a heartfelt, strong affection. To who? To one another. This is talking within the church. In love. Because the the Greek word here is Philadelphia, which you all know where that is a place. Love, Adelphos in Greek is brothers and sisters. It's talking about the church. Have a heartfelt, strong affection to the family of God. For brothers and sisters within the church. how belittling it would be if we thought that the church is only about going to church. We go to church. I go along for my hour and a half. Hopefully it's not an hour and a half, but it could be. Um, and then I go back to my real life. Yeah. If church is about the religious bit, then we will be hypocritical. And we know the church is often called hypocritical, don't we? But if a church is actually about being devoted to one another, a love that goes deep, a love that is so deep that we even go out of our way to serve and give for one another, then the church is awesome, isn't it? If church is actually love, if it is one that is devoted to one another in love, in a genuine love, that's what actually what marriage and family life has got to be. It doesn't come naturally. I think when when people get married they think, oh well you're just going to fall in love and it's just going to be so easy you're just going to meld together and then you realise it's hard work because every bit of love is dying to yourself and giving yourself to another person. Yep, it's hard And, 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 and families, it's hard and the church body it's hard Because love is hard. Because love involves completely letting go of all that selfish stuff we've carried with us for all our life and actually giving of yourself to another person. That's what love is. And it's what the church body should look like. Okay, so Jesus said in John 13, Love one another as I have loved you. Again, you need to know his love to be able to love one another. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. What is the church known by? A deep love within the church body. I'm not sure if that's what every unbeliever says the church is. I think often they see uh, churches that are are obsessed with selfishness uh, and power over others Well, they say hypocrites. But true Christians will be known by their love. That's a fact. Jesus didn't say, make sure this is how... Don't put on a show for others. Don't put on a fake love. This is how you will be known by your love. Okay. What I'm saying is this. Okay, this is just maybe a little tangent. But if we are going to describe this concept we have of so-and-so, let's call him Joe. Joe is doing really well. Christians need to have a totally different view of what doing well is. Okay? Because generally when we say so-and-so, Joe, Joe is doing well, what's Joe got? Well, he's got a good job. And he's saving some money. And he's, well, he's got himself a decent car. He actually seems... Happy Joe is successful in business. He's doing well. He's achieving his goal. He's kicking goals. Yep. Yeah. Well, Joe's doing well because he's losing weight. He's really fit and muscly now. You know, he used to be a bit tubby. Joe is doing well. Actually, for his age, he might be 83, but he's doing really well. He's strong, Joe. Yeah. I'm, there's different Joes in there. You can see. Imagine if we said. Joe is doing well. Why? She loves God. And he's loving other people. There's your definition for doing well. God's definition. Can you see that? With the same standard that Christ is. That, that's our definition. And when we have that definition, can you see it's totally reversed the whole world as to what it thinks is good. It's not saying there's anything wrong with Joe being successful in business or being happy and having a good job and saving some money and achieving his goal. It's even good that he loses some weight. That's fine. But that is not the definition of doing well. It's love. It's living in love. Can you get that? Right. Goes on, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourself. Well, that's easy isn't it? Just take a lowly position, serve others. That's a joke. It's not easy. Jesus was the Lord of all, the King of heaven, and he gave up his life to serve us. He honoured us. He put others above himself. And so that is what it is for us to love, to submit to the needs of other people. In Philippians 2 verse 3, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Another impossible command. <laughs> yeah? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. N- not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Okay, I'll go back to our question How can we live like this? How can we be these people? How can we desire to live like Jesus lived? How can we love like he does when we don't? Verse 11 says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Now, actually, I reckon that that's not a great translation of that verse. And uh, there's this Greek scholar who I read called Cranfield, and he's written a lot on Romans, and he says, this is the translation of this verse. Be not slack in zeal. Be not slack in zeal. Or the word slack means slothful. Be aglow with the spirit. Be aglow with the spirit. Don't be lazy. That's what, uh, do not be slack in zeal. But be eager in zeal. That means make every effort, be aglow with the Spirit. I'll go back to this. How are you going to be a person who lives in love, who loves God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, who loves your neighbour as yourself, who gives? It will be this. You will be aglow with the Spirit. The word aglow meaning burning with the Spirit. Okay. Paul says elsewhere, don't quench the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? So if the Holy Spirit's burning, if you imagine the Holy Spirit burning, you don't tip a bucket of cold water over the Holy Spirit. Now that's just our imagery, but that's that imagery. Burn with the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Spirit. There's one way that you can have a genuine love and hate what is evil and honour one another above yourself and not be lazy and make every effort and that is if you're full with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul, in all his books, he goes through this bit where he has, here's the gospel, here's what God's done for you, right? And then he has that pivot point where he says, now, in light of the gospel, do this. But he always has this point where he comes to it, and now, if you're going to do that, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. This is the bit. You need the Holy Spirit, okay? Because the Holy Spirit drives us to obey God. And what has God... What's obeying God? How do you sum up the laws again? Love for God, love for one another. So Ezekiel says in this passage we keep coming back to, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. So he gives us a new heart. We're converted. He puts his Holy Spirit in us. I will remove from you your heart of stone. So he takes away our desires for evil and all our selfishness. And I will give you a heart of flesh, which is soft and pumps real blood And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So, how do we become these people who love and are careful to keep God's laws? By the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He moves us to follow the Lord's decrees, He moves us to be careful to keep the laws of God, He drives us to obedience. So it's the Holy Spirit who causes us to be humble, to not lift ourselves up. It's a strange thing when you talk about the Holy Spirit is that within the church, talking about the Holy Spirit has in many places become talking about selfishness. Get the Holy Spirit so you can become a powerful, you know, I can do all things type person because you know that bit where Paul says, I can do all things in Christ. He was talking about times in ministry where he was starving and he didn't have enough to eat. But he said, I can do all things in Christ. Okay, It's not talking about you get a cape and become Superman. Okay, This is talking about the Holy Spirit who actually gives you gifts which are all about other people, serving others and bringing the word of God to them and gives you the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, patience, The Holy Spirit gives you patience? That's with other people. The Holy Spirit is patience with what sort of people? Difficult people. Not patience unless they're difficult people, is it? Yeah? Can you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit doesn't drive us to a life of selfishness. The Holy Spirit gives us a life where we actually give and serve and deny ourselves. And then there's another little list of impossibilities. I think these are impossible. Maybe I'm just the only selfish person here. But he says in verse 12, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. It's only through the Holy Spirit that you can be joyful in hope, that you can have any joy and any true hope. Okay, And patient in affliction. Now, that's where Christianity has become this thing where it says, if you've got affliction, pray and it'll go away. Yeah? That's not what it says, is it? Pray by the Holy Spirit, you will become patient during that affliction. Not that it's all going to go away. No one really lives in that, do they? Except for hypocrites, fakes. Those people who smile when inside they're miserable, who make out they're not depressed when they are, who put on a show. You see, we have a power which causes us to be patient in affliction, that causes us to be faithful in prayer. Not prayer as in, give me stuff, God. No, prayer which is about other people. Do you understand? And we share with God's people who are in need. We give to them. And we practice hospitality. That's inviting people into your homes. It's inviting people into your lives. The Holy Spirit does an incredibly miraculous work in us. He does this. you ready for it? He makes us genuine in love. That sums up this whole passage, isn't it? Genuine in love. And what a great gift that is. So... Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit. you know that, that movement in your mind when you see someone in need and you think, "I should," and then you know that movement of the flesh which says, "Nah, don't worry." Yeah? Follow that leading in love. You know the Holy Spirit's there, and as you do it, there's nothing better. He is leading you against selfish motives. Desire the Holy Spirit's work in you. Desire to do it. Follow His leadings and follow them again. And when you fail, go, All right, I'll confess that and get on with following them again. Do you understand? One thing I want you to hear today we'll all fail in this. It doesn't matter because we're in Christ. He has forgiven our sins. It does matter. I don't want to say sin's nothing, It's, it's bad. But When you sin and you don't live as you're supposed to, confess it up and get on with doing what you're supposed to do. Okay. The devil wants to hold us in this accusation, in this place of guilt and say, you're a failure, you might as well give up. But God says, no, confess your sins to me. I forgive your sins. Now, desire, ask, seek, knock. Because when you ask and seek and knock, he will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask and seek and knock. That's what Jesus says in Luke 11. He will give, live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then our love will be genuine, it will be real, it will be sincere. i am tell you this, one day we're all going to be in heaven together. And in heaven, we will live in love for God primarily and in love for one another. And we won't be bored. We will always be giving. Because we'll be for real. We'll be real. And it'll all be real. And no one in heaven is going to say, are you for real? Because everybody will be for real. Do you understand? Because we will all be in love, because we'll all be in God and his love. For now, walk by the Spirit. Pray that you might walk by the Spirit. When I say desire, do do you feel the Holy Spirit saying, yes, desire me? Well, desire him and pray and call and don't... You know, the ask, seek, knock is like, yeah, you ask. Then you seek, you go a bit harder, and then you knock. In other words, keep pushing. Keep pushing for what? Read Luke 11 to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray. Father, we confess that of ourselves, we fall way short of your calling in our lives. We don't love as we should love father we we time and time and again become selfish self-centered self-activated and father i pray that you would conf- you would uh, forgive us our sins that you would wipe them out and father that we again would have the desire and the calling to love as you've loved us and father i pray that we would see you leading day by day in our lives that we would call out to you, that we would desire your leading and, Father, that you would give us more and more of your Holy Spirit, that we might live in all the fullness it is to be people who love you and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.